afternoon. Thank you. So last, um, last Sunday, Dave uh, spoke about the impact that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, has had on each one of us. Um, well, it, each one of us, if you've come to a real faith in the Lord Jesus as your saviour. Um, so each person then who's put their faith in Jesus and what he's done for us through his life and death and resurrection. And that always gives us reason to praise him every day that we live, as we've been doing already together. And in some ways, you'd say, well, that's enough, isn't it? You know, it's enough that I've, I'm saved, I've, I'm a child of God, I have eternal life. That's enough. I don't really need to know anything more. Well, you do need to know more than that because there is more to this than how it has impacted us individually. There's much more to it. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I just want to read you one verse and then we're going to come back to it, um, a larger passage later on. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul writes... I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. My question is, this is the question for the day, is what is the calling? What is that calling? What is it that we have been called to? Been born again, been saved, but what's this What's this calling? So we'll come back to Ephesians 4 later, but this is the first verse that we see that God has called us for a reason. There's a, there's a reason. Apart from giving us eternal life, there's a reason, a calling. So our calling. Now, there's a clue to the answer to that question in something that Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. And he said to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will see that you are my disciples. By this, all people will see that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here, Jesus is saying that there's something important about the way his followers relate to each other. In other words, I believe this means that we are called to be something together with other believers something that will demonstrate something of Jesus to the people around us. In fact, we become part of the gospel message. And so this is something significant and powerful. Let me give you a personal example of this in action. Some of you have heard me mention this before, but 
I've only had one life, and it's the only one I can refer back to. So, so I, I, I grew up in what would be called a dysfunctional family. I don't need to go into any details, but it, was a, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. And particularly when I reached my early teens, it was, it was very difficult. And I, I would find any reason I could not to be at home. So I'd come home from school, have a meal, and then I'd be out again, and I'd probably be out. That's probably why I didn't do my homework. But I was always out with my mates somewhere else. And it was simply because being at home was, was difficult, was, yeah, as enough to say, it was difficult. When I um, reached the age of uh, 16, I left school and I started work started an apprenticeship. And I was working next to a, another apprentice, same age as me, who told me that he was a Christian. And he told me about the church that he belonged to and started inviting me to things. So he invited me, first of all, to the youth club that the church ran. And um, I decided, I, I worked up the courage to go with him uh, one week, I was, I was really nervous because I didn't know what this religious thing was about. And uh, he met me outside and escorted me into the building. And I was, I was astonished, I think is the right word, by the way I was received when I went into this place. There were four or five youth leaders. It was quite a large club, number of people, but the number of people that said, it's really nice, nice that you've come, really pleased to see you, Chris, and so on. And it was so different to what I was used to at home. I'd only been going to the youth club a few weeks when Julie turned up, uh, and she came with her She'd been invited to this club with, by her brother, and um, we got to know each other, and things went on from there. And so uh, we became very good friends. And now Julie came from, from a Christian family. So Julie is one of seven children. So that was like the most people I'd ever seen in one room when, when, <laughs> when, when I was taken to her home, and they were quite... Well, they were very friendly. Her parents were, were very welcoming and kind to me, um, even though I think they were slightly... I was the first boyfriend Julie had had, so, you know. But they made me feel very welcome. Some of the brothers weren't quite so keen on me. <laughs> One threatened to stab me. <laughs> if, if, I, if I did anything... As a Christian... You know, so, um, if I, you know, if I did anything bad to Julie, so, but that was, you know, I, again, there was something about being welcomed into this family, and from then on, pretty soon on from there, I would go straight from work to their home rather than to mine. I got fed well, and um, it was nice to be with them. And it was on the back of that, if you like, 
that I, I became really intrigued by what these people believed. I saw something that I'd not seen before. And I was attracted to it. I was drawn to them. And therefore, I was, I was asking the question, so why are they like this? Why are they not like the people that I'm used to being with? And gradually, of course, over the weeks and months, they began in both situations, the church situation and uh, in Julie's family's home, they began to tell me about Jesus and they began to open up the Bible for me to ask my questions and so on. So here was a case, if you like, that the church, the followers of Jesus that I encountered was more than a place for me to go for a few hours on a Sunday evening. In fact, I wasn't looking for that primarily. I wasn't looking for a religion. I wasn't, I wasn't, that, that wasn't what I was looking for. In fact, to be honest, I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't even know I was looking for anything until I found it. And then I could look back and say, this is, this is what I've been missing. And God knew. So I hope that's a, a helpful illustration of what we are called to be as the Church of Jesus Christ. We are called to be the body of Christ. We are called to be the family of God. Called to be a living representation of the kingdom, the kingly rule of God, along with our fellow believers. We are called to be something somewhere where God is and where people can encounter him. Let's think for a minute about the experience of the first Christians, the first disciples of Jesus. I read this recently. Um, for three years, the disciples found themselves living in a pool of grace that surrounded Jesus. I love, I love just the picture of that. They lived in a pool of grace that surrounded Jesus, which was a different one from the one they had known growing up in a legalistic, mainly heartless form of religion. And then when Jesus showed them something different, and the gospel not only changed them individually, but it also changed what they would become collectively. So if we turn to Acts chapter Two. I know you've probably gone through this as a church at some point or other, these words, but they're, they're worth repeating. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them or the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. There was something about this community of people that attracted people. They saw something there which made them want to know the good news, the gospel, how to be saved. The people liked what they saw, and it made a strong impression on them and was part of what attracted them to the gospel. In fact, in some ways, it was part of the gospel. Combined with the preached and spoken good news, this powerfully impacted the people who encountered the church. And this is the nature of what we are called to be. As we're drawn to Jesus ourselves, we are drawn into a community of people that say something about the good news of the kingdom of God. About 10 years ago, I was asked if I would help uh, in a church. It wasn't the church I was leading. It was one uh, relatively nearby. Um, a church that had gone through a very rocky time, and it had resulted in the pastor uh, resigning and leaving, and several families left the church as well. And it left a group of people who were wounded, confused. And this church needed some real tender care to get from where they were to where they wanted to be. And working alongside some of the, the leaders in the church there, um, we went through like a year-long process of working some of these things through and more than anything, exposing them to the grace of God. This is what the grace of God is like. This is what he feels about you. This is what he thinks about you. And uh, on one occasion, I remember, um, I don't think it was me that did it. It was somebody else did it. But we had a, a Sunday service And during the service, um, a large wooden cross was put in the middle of the room and all the chairs were scattered around around looking in towards this cross. And people were invited uh, during during the meeting to write on uh, post-its prayers or questions or their thoughts or scriptures, anything that they felt was pertinent to the situation that they were in. And as people did that, they came forward and they stuck their things, stuck their pieces of paper onto the cross. But the the thing that became so obvious was that the more they got near to the cross, they got near to each other. So the the guy that was leading it said, see what happened. As we made our way to the cross, individually, we became close to one another. There were some things that we have learned through the grace of God to us that somehow joins us together. 
And that's how it works, doesn't it? As, we, as we've come to the cross in faith, we've come close to other believers. We have the same father. We are a family. And there's a family likeness. Um, we read back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that God is like a big man um, and therefore we're made in his image. What it means, I guess, is that he made human beings to have the same nature that he has, to be like him in the way he was and the way he behaved, if you like. There's something of the nature of God in his children, just as we would say you'd see family likenesses in, well, in like in our case, family likenesses in our children, and then, and then likenesses of them in their children, and so on. And there are many descriptions of the nature of our Father, God, in the Bible. For example, I love this one in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. Where God says to Moses, this is what I'm like. He says, I'm a God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. It's something of the nature of God that he wants to produce in us. Or it could be summed up even more simply in a three-word statement by the Apostle John in 1 John 4 verse 8. God is love. God is love. That's his nature. On many occasions, Jesus described the way he, the God, the God the Son, related to God the Father. For example, John 14 and verse 10. I am in the Father, the Father's in me. In John 17, verse 21, when he's praying, he says, Father, you are in me and I am in you. There was there was a sort of relationship between the three persons in the Godhead that could be summed up as a loving relationship. Is it, you know, sometimes when we hear people talk about love, it's, it has sort of soppy um, connotations, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just an emotional, s soft thing. Whereas when it talks about God being love, it's, it's strong, it's robust, it, it does stuff, it changes things. So the statement that God is love tells us that the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit loves the Son and the Father. There is a powerful force that works within the Godhead. It's love. And we are called to represent that love in our day. What we are together can be and should be 
a powerful demonstration of what God is like. And this is what we see was happening in the early church. And then throughout the rest of the New Testament, we find the teaching centers again and again on the need for us believers to focus on the way we relate to each other. These are not just nice things to say. They are instructions on how we become what we are called to be. This is your calling. This is what you've been called to be. And the New Testament gives us plenty of information and instruction about how that's going to happen. So now, let's go back to Ephesians and look at a longer passage. Okay. So, I'm going to read from chapter 3, verse 20, and then, uh, then into chapter 4, down to verse 16. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who has descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So in the first three chapters of this letter to the Ephesian church, Paul has described the wonder of the gospel and the remarkable way in which God saved us through the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then as we come into chapter 4, we see something of Paul's concern to see the church develop into something for God, to serve his purposes. So that verse that we read at the beginning, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church. So what he's doing in us, the, the work that he's begun in us, in changing us into the people that he wants us to be, that, that power brings, is to bring glory to God in the church. And then in chapter 4, Paul gives specific practicalities in developing this shape within the people of God. And that's where it, where it comes down to very practical, local application. So I think it, it teaches us something about what, how God wants us to be as an expression of his kingdom together. So we could talk about the church global, the church national, the church local, or we could talk about us. And I think that's where we need to apply it, really, is how does this work? How does what he's saying here, how does that work out for us? Well, I'd like to pick out uh, six elements. Okay, they're not, they're not six sermon points. Well, they are, but they're very short sermon points. The first one that I think I, I can see here, there's probably a lot more than this, but the ones that struck me as I was going through this. The first one is this idea of being called. Um, now, I've already spoken about that at the beginning of this, but I just want to say it again, that we, have been, we are called to be something together. Not just as individuals, but we're called to be something. There's a, that, you know, we often hear about, you know, people that have had the call, you know. I can remember hearing that when I was a, a very young Christian, first introduced to church, and, you know, there were people that had the call. And usually they left and went somewhere else, but, you know, they'd been called somewhere else. I didn't understand that until I, I began to read things, like where, where the Apostle Paul introduces him sometimes, and he says, I've, I've been called to be been called to be an apostle. I've been called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And what I began to see as I read the scriptures, actually we're all called. We're, we've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of wandering in hopelessness. We've been called into something and we have a part to play in that. We are called to be part of something. And I've I think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go through these six points and then qu quickly go through them again and say how, how we could respond to those things. The second one that, that I saw here is that they were, 
Paul was saying you need to be committed to this. He talks here about um, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I don't think the word eager does it, actually. I mean, I I don't want to criticize the ESV, but some of the other translations say things like, make every effort or earnestly work for this. I think that's the sense of what he's saying here. You've been called to something. Now make every effort for this to happen, to, to, to maintain what you've got and to develop it. And then I think the third one is humility. He says here that um, to which you've been called, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. So work at what you've been called to do, but do it with humility, with selflessness, being prepared to serve one another, being prepared humbly to approach one another, not to, not to sort of bang each other's heads together, but, but with gentleness and with love and care, help one another to grow into our calling. The next thing I saw, I thought, was honor. Um, in verse 7, he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each one of us. So I need to respect you for what God has given you to do what we've been called to do. I need to, I need to recognize that I can't do everything, and neither can you, but you can do stuff that I can't do or that I'm not called to do. We, we are gifted in different ways. We are di- different characters, different personalities, and we've got different abilities that God has given us. And I need to honor that in you. If, if I'm going to be part of this, I need to recognize that that's, that's, that's the gift that God has given that person, and so on. It needs to be acknowledged and honored, finding ways in which those gifts can be used within the body of Christ. And he also goes on, doesn't he, in verses 11 and 12, to say that some individuals are gifts themselves. Um, And I think most of us can look back over our lives, depending on how long you've lived, of course, but we can look back over your life and say, I thank God that he brought that person into my life. It was a gift. That person was a gift to me. It may have been a pastor or a teacher or uh, a prophet who said something, but I'm so, you know, I'm so glad that God brought those individuals into my life to honor those gifts. And then in verse 12, then, we, we go on now to talk about that being a part of this body is, is, a, is, is a means of discipling us as followers of Jesus. It speaks about how those gifts are there for the edifying, for the educating and encouraging of every believer. That we're, you know, I love it. I, you know, I think it's so important, isn't it, when 
Somebody does something. They use the gift that they've got or the gift that they are to acknowledge that and, and to say thank you. You know, I often think the guys that stand up here every week and lead us in worship, you know, how important it is to say thank you. Thank you for what you did. You know, and then they'll say, oh, no, no, it wasn't. You know, but it, it's, it's still nice to be encouraged. The guys at the back on the sound desk, the ones that teach the children and the youth and so on, I think it's important for us to encourage them in the gift that they, they have. Every believer in the church, I believe, is gifted in some way. And, we, that, and as, we, as we encourage one another, those gifts will flourish. You know, when we tell one another, that's a blessing, that's, that's, that's a real help. It will encourage that person to do it again or come along back with the same sort of things again. And then it says that we will all grow up together into what we have been called to be. And finally, having this objective then that he talks about in the last few verses, speaking the truth in love, verse 15, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me just very quickly, and then we'll pray, go down that list. Just say, just to say, how do, how do I respond to these things? I've, 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 I have done this myself well, many, many times, but um, again, recently, just going through this again. The question, do I recognize that this is a calling? It's not just something to turn up to once a week. Is, is, is this the calling of God on my life, to be a part of this, a part of a body of Christ somewhere, but is, do I recognize that as a calling? Am I saying to God, thank you, God, that you've called, you've, you've got a purpose for me to be involved somehow in making the church a means of community, communicating the good news about Jesus to others? Secondly, am I making every effort to keep this expression of God's family together. Am I, am I, you know, when we come together, whether it's here, whether it's at life groups, or whether it's um, whenever <laughs> we meet up together, am I, am I making every effort to, to build something with my brothers and sisters? I'm a Thirdly, am I approaching this and my brothers and sisters with humility? You know, just asking the question, how, how do you do that? How did you get through that? You know, when, when Madeline was sharing earlier on about her situation, I guess one thing is to say thank you for sharing that. But it might be to say, so how did you get through that? What can I, 
can you help me? I'm going through a difficult time. Can, can you tell me what you did, how that worked? Am I recognizing the gift in myself that I need to use for the benefit of others and the gifts that God has placed in others that will benefit me? Am I, am I looking for that? Do I see the local church as the community in which I'm expected to grow and mature rather than just this place to visit on a Sunday? Am I, am I seeing this as, this is, God's, this is God's way of me growing and maturing as a disciple of Jesus, as a child of God? And finally, do I recognize all this as a part of the way in which the good news of Jesus Christ can impact the people around me, the world that God loves so much? I wonder, I mean, this is how that phrase sort of, uh, how that question settled in my head. The gospel for us. The good news about Jesus, how does it impact us together? I know how it impacted me as an individual, but how does it impact us? How does, that, how does the gospel shape us, the, way, the sort of people that we are together and the sort of things we do together? How does that shape us? How does that make it, if you like, make us together a vehicle for God to use to communicate the good news of the kingdom of God to others. I'd like us to pray together. So we pray. Lord, we do want to say thank you again for, for saving us, Lord, for intervening in our lives, for stepping in when you did. Thank you, Lord, that you changed the direction of our lives when we come to faith in you, when we put our trust in you, when we accept what the Lord Jesus has done for us through his death and resurrection. We, Lord, we are so grateful for the way that you brought that to us, that, that gospel message, that good news. We want to say thank you for it, Lord. Thank you again. It may have been a long time ago. Or it may have been recently. We just want to say thank you, Lord, that you did it. And thank you, Lord, that you still do it, Lord. You still intervene, step in in situations that we're finding difficult. You still step in, and we're so grateful that you're a good, good father who cares for his children. We thank you for that. And we thank you for this calling, Lord, on our lives. We're glad you've called us, Lord. We, we don't want to drag our feet into this, Lord. We want to come willingly and happily, Lord, with that sense that I've been called to do something and be something for the creator of the universe. I, I've come, I've been called to be a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. Lord, give to us a, a fresh sense of that, we pray. Lord, there's something wonderful about this. And we pray, Lord, that 
you would give to us what we need, Lord, to, Lord, to keep this sense of calling sort of bubbling up inside us, really. Lord, day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, Lord, that sense that we've been called to be something. We pray, Father, that you would help us to treasure and value one another in love. Help us, Lord, to, like your word says, to speak the truth to each other, but in love, with gentleness, with respect and honour. But Lord, we pray that you will build us, Lord. Build us into the church as, as the church wants, you want the church to be, Lord. Growing up in maturity to become more and more like Jesus together. We ask it in his name. Amen.